Oh, it's just the highest honour you could have without putting on the shirt. I was flying back for every home game. Brandsman came over and said, just read what you've read out again. And I was oh my God. Number 40, making its debut, Salt and Pepper Tofu. I'm saying, come on, get off the pitch, you bam pots, come on. My uh, office at the time was actually a shed. I'll say, you know who I am? And they look at me, no. So I stand there and go, ah. There'll be two minutes of added time. And at that point, I'm in. I'm in any words. So We Welcome Your Teams is back for a brand new series and a brand new season. And for the first time, all of our announcers are actually back at their own respective grounds. It's a very strange place that we find ourselves in, but we're delighted with it nonetheless. One person who's particularly delighted, I know, is my regular co-host from Manchester United, Mr. Alan Keegan. Hello, Rich. Yeah, I'm absolutely over the moon. You know, I can't believe it. As you say, we've uh, been announcing to empty stadiums. People have been asking us, why are you announcing in an empty stadium? And we've given all the different reasons that we've talked about on the podcast before. But Leeds United, what a start to the season. And funnily enough, about... 10 minutes, 15 minutes before the kickoff, the communications director comes up to me and he says, we've got a nice surprise for you. And he hands me this script and we're going to introduce Raphael Ferrand to the crowd. Oh, so you didn't didn't know it was happening until like last minute? No, didn't know it was happening until the last minute. He was stood in the tunnel, they give him a shirt, he's got his number on the shirt, 19, and then I start, I get a thumbs up, start the intro, and then we go into it and he walks out to the pitch and he walked out like, you know, the superstar that he is. I mean, he just carried that aura with him and he looked like a movie star. He looked fantastic in his suit and he's holding the shirt up, all chaffing erupted. So to be honest, Rich, it was it's one of those special days that I'll always remember, you know, because he just carried it so well. He goes over to Rio, who was there with BT, gives it the big hug and... Rio, you probably heard all this, but win, win, win. You know, that's what Rio whispered in his ear. It was brilliant. And, uh, you know, the only thing with that, as you know, you have these big finales pre-match or I've done it before in the past with special occasions. And I thought, here we go. We're introducing Varane and it's just going to go pear-shaped. Leeds are going to beat us, you know. But uh, fortunately, we had a very comfortable win. Lovely, yeah. Looked like a good day out, that one. Great first day to be back on the job. But West Brom, I, well, I had to wait a week because uh, they were away first game of the season and then home the following Saturday for uh, for the Luton match, which was, uh, I mean, yeah, the noise was, was brilliant. It was really good. And actually, what I forgot was um, how much I really need my voice on those days because yeah. because yeah. we... we, we <laughs> We did the t- we did the team read about two thirty, and you know a few people were in, but you know not everybody. And then everyone was there, you know, for for just five minutes before kickoff for the big moment. And I'd been thinking about it in my head for a long time, exactly how I was going to say that. And yeah. what I was conscious of was, you know, it's five minutes to kick off. There, you know, it does mean the teams are coming out. So as soon as I start talking, whatever I say. The, the the roof's going to lift off you know it's it's just going to explode so i thought there's no point in me giving it any big old 
you know, even, you know, that, that longer sentence of, oh, you know, we've been away for 14 months and this is the great moment and yeah. we're all back and all that kind of stuff. And true to form, I, ha- I had a little sentence planned out. I said, you know, something like, Hawthorns, we are back. And it just went off and you couldn't hear what I was yeah. saying. So I just said, uh, Luton Town and West Bromwich Albion. And, you know, even yeah. then you couldn't hear me. And after I did that, I was like, my voice had gone yeah. a little bit. I'd actually strained my voice because it hadn't done it for mm. what, you know, I hadn't been in for 14, 15 months. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I forgot how much I needed yeah. my voice. And I was like, oh dear, I'm a bit, I'm a bit croaky. I'm, I'm, I'm going to need to sort of get the old vocal cords trained up again for this every other week. Now I've, I've noticed uh, a little bit of chat from the first couple of games amongst uh, some of the guys who are either in our, our 255 Brigade WhatsApp group or just on uh, on the Twitter, on the at announcers pod uh, Twitter account um, about Red Zone Envy. Um, because mm. I, uh, because w- although we're all back, it's not necessarily in the same capacity where we were before. I'm very lucky, and it's only because a couple of people clocked me on one of the Sky Live games, that I'm back in my old spot, which is right by the tunnel. And I've got my Red wow. Zone pass. I mean, I'm, I'm in the Red Zone which they're classing it as now at most grounds. Yeah. That, that, that bit down by the tunnel by the teams is quite quite restricted. We've had to lose a floor manager and a, and a cameraman at the minute. So it's literally me and one other floor manager and that's it allowed in the red zone. So I'm, I've, I yeah. didn't realise how lucky I was until everybody started saying they've got red zone envy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're very lucky because um, I'm not allowed into the, the red zone. Um, obviously, wasn't allowed during lockdown. We've come back now um, and basically um, normally like you, I'd be in the middle of the two dugouts and anybody who's ever seen it on the, from a camera angle with you're looking at Ollie on the left-hand side and then the other dugout with your weight team is on the right-hand side as you're looking at them. So as you're looking at it, I'm, I'm sort of to the left of the away dugout. But it was a brilliant position because, um, you know, they, they set up a table for the broadcasters as such so I got one of them and then you've got like on the day it was BTC you had Jake, Rio um, you know they were there sat behind me after they'd done the stuff pitch side so to be fair it wasn't a bad position yeah there's nothing like being in the middle of it all but as a second best oh. I could take as a second best it was it was a good position and just to have to monitor my own personal monitor Rich because you know confirmation of who scored and you know how did it work you know so from that point of view it was was fantastic don't get don't get too used to it it sounds like that's quite comfortable (laughs) you know I I wouldn't mind a monitor there's loads of us who don't have monitors wow yeah yeah well you can have you can have monitor envy you know but uh, (laughs) (laughs) it went well it went well now obviously we've all had um you know those big first few games back now and um, from what I can see everybody's at some point had to do um, some you know as along with all the celebratory stuff we've all had our own sort of somber moments to um, to mark as well um, you know at West Brom we had uh, uh, just a horrendously big list of, of fans and people that we'd lost over the last 18 months uh, and we marked that before you know I think it's about 20 minutes before kickoff in, in the Luton game the first home game back um, yeah. quite a, it you know quite a sobering thing really but also I suppose kind of added to the atmosphere in the way that you know here we are we're very lucky to be back here you know yeah. at a game but I um, <laughs> at half time at my game I had an announcement that I knew nothing about right which which almost threw me because uh, about 
When was it? Maybe in, in just building up to kickoff, we run through stuff on the screens and sometimes we run the, the birthdays and everything else on the screen anyway. We're going to announce them at half time, but we just run them on the screen yeah. anyway. Yeah. And Joe that I'm with said, oh, can, you just, uh, can you just watch these through? Because we're not sure about a couple of them. We just want to check how they read. So not to read out, but just to practice. So I'm thinking, we never do this before. This is always like vetted by the club before they even get up on the big screen. Anyway, I'll yeah. start reading them through. And after the birthdays, there's a congratulations one. And I'll start reading it and it says, massive congratulations to our stadium announcer, Rich, on his recent engagement. (laughs) You didn't know. And I didn't know. I had no idea they were doing it. They also added a line at the end saying, we offer our commiserations to his fiancée. (laughs) Brilliant. That's absolutely fantastic. Which is such, which is a really nice touch. But then the next time after it, I saw why they wanted me to read it before it happening at half time, because the very next announcement was where we began our in memoriam. um, Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. Right. So they said, we need you to see this now because otherwise at half time, what will happen is I'm likely to go, Oh, it's an announcement about me. And next, Oh, you know, and then we have to change yeah, the tone. Yeah. So I'm glad they did that, but still, yeah. uh, overall, a really nice touch. And it's definitely the first time I've ever read out an announcement about myself. Yeah. yeah. Oh, brilliant. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations, oh, mate. Yeah, All yeah. the very best Thank indeed. You. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering, yeah, if you, were you, are you going to be available to do a Master of Ceremonies? <laughs> Hey, mate, listen, I'll be definitely master this enemy. No problem at all. As long as it's not like a 10-year engagement, get me on the get me on the books, mate. That'd be absolutely oh, fantastic. Right, and here's a nice way we're starting the season. Uh, we're going to be talking to Mike Rankin, who is the announcer at Crystal Palace. We are glad all over we've got him on. Uh, it was a great, great chat I got to have with him and some really good stories in there as well about how he got the job, uh, what sort of things he's had to do. A couple of really good clangers he's dropped where the managers of the club have been involved, which we don't always get to that level of it. So uh, without further ado, we'll crack on. Here is Mike Rankin from Palace. All right, well, let's kick it all off then. First off then, so how long, Mike, have you been the announcer at Palace? So I think this is now my 12th season. I had to do a quick count up before uh, before talking to you. So because um, I, I started in the 2009-10 season, which mm-hmm. um, which as a as a starting season was a year that we went into administration and almost went out of business at the end of the end of the year. So from that perspective, after a pretty uh, pretty emotional start to the job, it's been it's been nothing but upwards since then. So I'm in, taking entirely all of the credit for Palace's on pitch success since that point. Too right. Um, what is your um, what what do you do when you're not announcing at Palace? We didn't cover this enough in the last two series, and we missed a few absolute crackers of people who had other jobs that obviously were nothing to do with it. What what's what's your job when you're not announcing? Yeah, so I am one of those. So I my, I, I work for. Uh, for, for a well-known bank that I won't mention, uh, that I won't okay. mention the name of. Um, but, yeah, in, in my day job, it's an entirely different office-based banking job. Um, it bears absolutely no resemblance to doing the announcing the announcing role. Um, but as you'd imagine, when as you meet other, other Palace fans and other football fans generally in the day job, people are very interested to, to know. And I, I don't – I tend to be – reasonably modest with it I think I, I don't go around telling people what I do but obviously sometimes it comes up because you start mm-hmm. talking about football and people say oh do you go to the games do you get down there much and stuff like that so then it kind of comes up and um and yeah I, I have been at times kind of press ganged in in team meetings and things like that into well 
can you talk like you do as the announcer? Can you, can you, can you give us a demonstration and stuff like that? Which is always a slightly awkward, an awkward kind of scenario because there is, it, it feels very different when you're kind of yelling at a room full of 10 people rather than in a, in a stadium <laughs> into a microphone yeah. is a slightly odd moment. So I usually tell them that my, uh, my contract doesn't allow me to perform outside of the, uh, <laughs> the stadium environment. <laughs> and, uh, and unfortunately they can't afford my appearance. Fee. Yeah. That, that is a very good answer. Yeah. Having to go around, prove, prove you are who you, who you say yeah. you are. And, yeah. and, and of course you get it. And I'm sure, I'm sure all of us probably do get it in the sense, you know, you, someone finds out or hears that you're the, all the announcer and they're, but you don't sound anything like him. Yeah. And you kind of kind of think, well, if, if I walked around talking like I do on a match day, I would <laughs> seem like a very strange individual. I think, you know, it's, yes. um, it's, it, it would come across a little bit, a little bit strange, but, um, but yeah, I, I try and avoid kind of just, you know, shouting out players names in, in public, uh, unless it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, exactly. As we do. So how, how did you end up getting the job then? How did it all happen? Yeah, so I think I was just kind of in the right place at the right time, I suppose. So, so I had been working at the club um, from a, from quite a young age, really, from the age of sixteen, uh, originally on the on the club's like in-house TV stuff. So, just again, just match day, um, and I was doing stuff kind of behind the scenes, kind of bits of graphic design. I did some camera work. I, did, I kind of tried my hand at various different kind of odd bits and pieces, I suppose, behind the scenes. And all um, oh, thanks, I, I should I should be a, a nod to my my good friend and still Palace TV uh, director uh, Lawrence, who uh, who got me into the club um, originally, and probably takes all the all the credit from this point onwards. Um, but yeah, so so I was I was working there anyway, and then the previous announcer, um, a guy who many uh, many Palace fans will remember, called uh, Rob Fox, um, should really have been the Leicester announcer, I suppose, with a yeah. name like that. But yeah. uh, he was a Palace fan. Um, and he he'd done it for years and years and years. I you know I'd grown up hearing his voice from the from the stands and all the rest of it. And then he left. And um, and when they were looking for a new announcer, I just kind of put my hand up and said, "Well, I'll, I'll give it a go if you like." Mm. Um, so they said, "Okay, let's we we'll um, we'll give you a trial." So we had a couple of home pre-season games. Then kind of that that following season, we said, "We'll give you a trial in pre-season and we'll see how you get on." And um, and to be honest, I've still still not heard back on how that trial actually went. <laughs> I've still not had it confirmed whether or not I uh, I passed the trial or not. But we've changed ownership since then. Nearly got out of business, and uh, and twelve seasons on, I I assume that I must have uh, I must have made the grade. Yeah, yeah. There has, has been quite a turbulent turbulent history in that short time. We'll get we'll get onto those experiences. Um, but what what do you remember about uh, your first? I suppose I was going to say your first game or maybe your first proper game. Either of them, really. You know, your first trial game or your first official match. Yeah. So I, I have a bad memory of stuff like this. I, I can't I can't remember who who the games would have been against either pre season or or league. But I guess the the things that stick with me was firstly was that. I stayed. I stayed within the confines of the the PA room for the first, really for the first few seasons, actually, but certainly the first game because because actually one of the previously when the previous announcer had gone down pitch side, usually just to do the the pre match, you know, walkouts and the half time and all that. Mm. I used to be the one that used to go in and fill in doing the doing the button pressing on the music for him. So I suppose I had got a little bit of an in that way to at least I recognised the mixer desk and stuff like that. Um, but I, but because when I stepped in to do the announcer role, there was nobody that stepped in to to fill in my button pressing role, so I was confined to the to the studio, which in a sense made things a little bit easier, I think. 
um you didn't feel you know there were there weren't any eyes on you you were just uh you know the kind of voice of god in the in the clouds and um i remember though being very nervous i've always been quite a confident public speaker um i'm sure many people would say i like the sound of my own voice a bit too much um which obviously was so therefore this role was ideal (laughs) but 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 the kind of the nerves do kick in and you suddenly become very self-conscious i think about everything you say so I realised how when you've got your own voice, you've got a set of headphones on, you've got your own voice in your ears, he's very aware of how many times in conversation you say erm and are and things like that. And we all do it in conversation and nobody bats an eyelid because it's normal. But when you're speaking into microphones to thousands of people, you become very aware of every erm and are. So I did start, I used to write everything down word for word and, and read it um, until I until I kind of felt a bit more confident. Um Whereas nowadays, I I very rarely write anything down, you know, <laughs> apart from the, the obviously I can, you know, have the team sheet and those kind of things, but everything else I can kind of just do do on a whim, uh, wow. unless it's for a special occasion, of course. Yeah, no, that's impressive. So, so um, you talked about where you sit, that PA room. What what is that? What's the view like from there? Have you always been up there? What's 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 that set up like? Yeah, well, fortunately now I'm in a much better location so i'm in the i'm in the back of our kind of main stand so the same size as same side sorry as the as the dugouts at sellers park so i've now got a reasonably good view of the pitch but when i first started for the first probably five seasons or so i was in a pa room that was right in the corner of the ground and obstructed heavily by the side of one of the stands and a floodlight pylon (laughs) um you so you would kind of look you'd i'd be kind of ducking left and right to try and see where as the ball was moving in and out of the floodlight pylon to oh, try and see what was going on yeah um and staring through a window that clear that, that kind of water would run down so on a rainy day everything was in a bit of a haze <laughs> as well so and, and i did once get a, somebody once bought me like an air and air one of these aerial photographs of the ground as a as a, as a you know one, one christmas or something like that and i kind of pinpointed where the pa room was and i said if you looked at it from that aerial shot i would technically say that it was outside of the ground um <laughs> so kind of outside of the four stands um so it, it wasn't ideal no. um and 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 certainly especially when you think when i first started we're in the championship most games you, you just had one camera then as well so and i had a t- i had a monitor in the room but you've only got one camera so you don't get you know the angles we're spoiled uh, by having now in the in the premier league um it was very difficult but it was a good test of my eyesight i suppose to yeah. be able to spot subs and scorers and I, I think that probably stood me in good stead for going into the you know for carrying on and as the roles progressed and and, and you see and that's where that sort of experience is vital to stuff like this i'm i'm very lucky at west brom i've always been at the same place by the tunnel so we're by the fourth official as well so when things like subs happen we know what's going on because we see the card that gets yeah. passed around and we know long in advance. So you were you literally waiting until it happened to see who it was coming on and off? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, I mean, you'd, you'd start to get a view, I suppose. You could start to see, I could see down, I was on the same side as the dugout. So you could see who was getting stripped off, ready to ready to come on. Okay, yeah. And then you start to form, I guess, an educated guess. Yeah. You think, oh, who are we likely to swap out? You know, depending who the manager is, what do they tend to do? Um and that sort of thing. So, so you kind of, I'd have an idea, but yeah, you wouldn't know. And then you, and then of course you're waiting. So I would be directly side on to the fourth official. So when he first would hold the board up, I can't see what the numbers no, are on the board either. You're like so, directly side on until, until he swings. Yeah. 
and there were and there were absolutely there were there were definitely occasions when a few expletives would have come out obviously with the mic off oh, okay good. um when, when a fourth official wouldn't quite <sighs> turn the right to the right angle you know they didn't always turn exactly to the right angle so i couldn't see but i'd also have a, a line into the guys who were running the again the kind of our, our in-house tv at Paris okay. as well so i had a kind of backup set of eyes, had say, eyes did, yeah. you see, did anyone see who <laughs> who that is yeah, who's coming on who's gone off Oh, nightmare, nightmare spot. We are, we are, we do have to. We, we didn't do too much about it last couple of series, but the, the the views that some of our announcers get are are not what everyone would assume is is perfect. To be honest, and that's that's a that's a very good example of that. So we talked about we met, we mentioned the history. You know, the the, the short uh, time you've been there, a lot has gone on at Palace. You know, almost going out of business. Uh, promotions and you know last gasp escapes from relegation. Um, so what, what would you say has been the sort of most emotional moments you've been on the mic for? Yeah, so I think kind of most emotional, I, I suppose kind of there's been a few things, emotional of different different kinds, I suppose. Mm. So there was, um, in my in my first season when, say, the 2009-10 season, we were, we were all, we went into administration halfway through the season and we, we stayed up. Um, on the on the very last day, which was an away game, away away at Sheffield Wednesday, but our last home game, um, funnily enough, was against West Brom, <laughs> and um, and it, it, the game finished one all. But Palace could have secured our, our own safety if we'd have won that game. We would have we would have stayed up, and I think I think West Brom were so we were, I think we we're in the promotion hunt that season. So it was no, it wasn't an easy game for for us. Um, so yeah, it finished one all, and we had a man sent off during that game. Because he meant he was he was a key man. Meant he would miss that final decisive day as well, and so kind of the mood was kind of a bit flat, I suppose. And and, and it was and because it's not you know, relegations are bad enough, you know. We've we've all kind of experienced those, unfortunately. That but this was one where it was the likelihood was, and the belief around the around the club was, if we got relegated this season, there there would be no Crystal Palace Football Club the following season. So it was, you know, you talk about kind of jeopardy in, in football and this was the, the kind of the most extreme kind of jeopardy. So I think having having only got that, got the draw, not secured our own and, and it's between us and Sheffield Wednesday, so who would go down? So it was really a kind of cup final the following game. And there was, I think, just, just announcing at the end of the game, doing the usual kind of bits, you know, thank you all for your support and all the rest of it. And, trying to kind of stay positive in amongst it all was, was really, really quite, quite difficult. Um, and I, I can remember I played, I think I played, um, so I run the, I run the music as well. And I think I played, uh, don't stop believing. I think that, do you know what, that, I, I had no idea, but that song came to my head. I said, like, wonder if it's going to be don't yeah. stop believing. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, when I look back on it now and I think that's definitely one of the, one of the kind of things that people would probably kind of say was a bit, bit cheesy, a bit, yeah. a bit cringe really. But <laughs> you know what? It, it absolutely did fit, and I, and I think I can remember my I, my brother's got a season ticket, and we would tra- we would usually travel home together after after games. And he was saying, he said, yeah, it did. The, him and people around were people were all feeling quite emotional, and it was, you know, we can still do this, but we, everyone's very aware of how much is at stake. So it's games like that where you're like, God, this is this is real. Um, this is this is this is this is real stuff at stake. You know, you see nowadays and. You know, people are moaning, you know, look at Arsenal this season who have started the season terribly. And, you know, there's lots of you watch Arsenal fans. Well, I, I try not to watch Arsenal fan <laughs> TV, but you see how animated people are getting in those. You think you've got no idea what it's really like 
to fear for your club like its existence let alone kind of we might not get into europe or you know or anything like that what 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 a, what a kind of lovely problem that would be to have <laughs> um so there's so there's there's that sort of but then i i i bring it back around to a slightly more positive emotional moment as well i suppose so we um palace for many years obviously had a an excellent goalkeeper in julian speroni um who um who was with us from the from the last time we were in the Premier League, which was in two thousand and four five season, and has been with us all that time up to, up till I think his retirement was two three years ago now, um, and so obviously he had he had a testimonial and he had a last game at Sellers, and both of those were really kind of quite emotional occasions. I mean, I remember him kind of he got a, a guard of honour on his in his last game, and I had chosen. Um, my hero by Foo Fighters for that one for, nice. for him to walk out to because nice. someone had also whispered in my ear that he that uh, Julian himself was a Foo Fighters fan so oh. I thought well this just fits perfectly it's it's a song I imagine he will probably quite like as a band he likes and he is a an absolute hero you know he's he's been with us through the survivals of administration you know a previous relegation and then was key to us getting promoted and staying up in the Premier League, where obviously where we still are today. So he's an absolute kind of club legend. Um, and then for his testimonial as well, I was down doing my usual bits pitch side as the teams walked out. And and again, for, for a testimonial, he was given a, a guard of honour. And because I was down there and kind of the guard of honour was right next to me and I was just kind of standing just off the guard of honour. So I just kind of took two paces forward and joined the guard of honour. I, I just thought... <laughs> I said, I just thought I'm probably not supposed to be here, but this just feels right, and I'm just like delighted that I can be a part of it. So that that was kind of quite emotional as well, because he's also even you know I don't I don't spend lots of time with players off the pitch, but he um, when at the times I've I've met him, he's an absolute gentleman as well. Like he's like the nicest like nicest guy you could you could hope to meet. So it was a real kind of the occasion around those sorts of things, and it's one of those ones where you can't remember. Who the opponent was, what the game, mm. how the game played mm. out, or anything for his kind of last last fixture. It was just all about all about the man, um, and and it's those moments you really feel kind of quite privileged to be in the in the position that we're in. And, and you've been there for incredible moments, you know, like that. But I mean, incredible games, incredible nights where I suppose everything's just come together, and and you know you've been able to announce incredible goals, key goals. Um, Goals that have just, you know, got an incredible mood about them, you know, and big wins and all that kind of stuff. Any particular of those great moments stand out? Yeah, there's a couple. There's definitely a couple that, oh, there's probably more than a couple if I was, if I cared to, to flick back through the memory banks. But um, whilst we were still in the in the championship, actually, we did, we went on a, on a decent League Cup run um, one year. Um, I think it was League Cup. It might have been FA Cup. There was a season, actually, where we did both a, a decent League Cup and FA Cup run. So I always get the two confused. Um, but we were still a championship side and we were playing Wolves at home, who were an established Premier League team at the at the time. Um, obviously, they are. They are again now, but they, they had dropped out in the yes. interim. Um, but so and we were we were wrapped by injuries and we played a, a right back by the name of Danny Butterfield played up front for Palace. Um, he'd never played up front before, certainly not in a, in a professional sense. Um, and it was kind of, we just felt like we were going to be on a hiding to nothing here. You know, Wolves were a, a decent Premier League team. We were a mid-ish, middle table kind of championship side, I suppose, at the time. Um, and Danny Butterfield scored the perfect hat-trick in a 3-0, 3-0 victory for Palace. Um, and it was, and it was just, 
unbelievable. Just that this could happen. This is a real kind of football cup fairy tale um, that this that this could happen. Um, and it was um, and yeah, obviously, and that's just as I'm announcing those goals going in, I'm announcing them in disbelief yeah. along with the other twenty or thousand people <laughs> in the in the stadium. Um, it's not very often I've got to announce a hat trick at Sellers Park um, <laughs> at, the, at the best of times, let alone a right back who's who's been kind of pushed into playing up front. Um, and, I, and I can still remember even now. It's, it's one of those things that still comes up, mm. you know, on the on the anniversary of that game. It's often kind of trotted back out again on you know on Palace's social media and, and stuff like that. And and you can still very clearly hear my kind of announcement in the background, certainly for for, the, for his third goal, saying, you know, the goal scorer for Crystal Palace and the hat-trick for number, I can't remember, number two, Danny Butterfield. Um, and that was just, yeah, that was that was incredible. And then, and more recently, we had one that one that more people outside of SC25 will probably remember was the, uh, the comeback against Liverpool that kind of put the nail in the coffin of their Premier League title ambitions um under brendan rogers so it was the uh, 3-3 game where liverpool had gone 3-0 up and i think in the first half i think it was and, and assumed they were gonna kind of romp to victory and we had nothing to play for we were already safe i think it was the last home game of the season um nothing really to play for and we came back to draw 3-3 um with, with uh Glenn Murray and um, and Dwight Gale scoring our our kind of second and third goals and and that was just the atmosphere inside Celeste was just I mean it's it's great at the at, you know at any time but it was absolutely electric um, and as the goals and I almost to be honest I almost forgot what I was there for <laughs> when that third when the third goal went in um, I, I I had to kind of really compose myself I used to, I used to, it was this was in the old PA room actually I used to sit on kind of quite a high almost barstool height kind of chair and I went I was flying off that chair and I smashed my knee into the side of the desk I was just relieved that all the equipment still worked afterwards yeah. and event, eventually I dusted myself down and remembered I was also there to do a job um and I'm sure I probably just absolutely just screamed into the microphone for the uh, to announce the goal scorer for that one because it was just just unbelievable for the result and in a game that ultimately meant nothing to to us in terms of kind of consequence we got a point we didn't need the point probably i don't think it even moved us up the table or down the table it didn't make any difference but it's just the occasion you get caught up in the moment of it um and that is definitely one that always always sticks uh, sticks in the memory as well yeah it might it's uh those moments where we, we, yeah, like you say, you can't believe you're almost there for it and you forget where you are for a second. Just, inc- just inc- scenes everywhere. And then isn't it quite special to know that you're, you are, you're a marker at that moment, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? So the, goal, the goal's yeah. been scored. The place has gone mental. And then, and then, you know, you've got that moment just to come back in just as it starts to die down. We've talked about the sweet spot a few times before. You come straight back in because you know it's going to send people rough off again, you know. Once they've heard your announcement, so it makes it, it yeah, it, doesn't it? Yeah. It just it just it's just the best feeling, isn't it? When you know you know it's going to go off again. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, absolutely it is, and I think that's that's the glory as well of doing this role and being a fan as well. As I think you know, as most if not all of us who do the, the job are, is that so? You know, you celebrate the goal quite genuinely as a fan you're not you're not celebrating it because you or you're not sitting there thinking oh now i've got to do the job you celebrate the goal because your team has scored a goal <laughs> you kind of pure pure emotion that you can't 
and passion that you can't recreate kind of it's not it's it's not kind of what it's about you just you feel it automatically and then to think right and i've now got a job to do that every and, and at palace we do and i know most if not all opposition fans hate it we do the, the name call back as well where i'll announce the scorer then say and then repeat the f- scorer's first name and the crowd shouts back the surname sure everyone outside of palace and some inside palace absolutely hate it but do you know what it's a great moment and the fact that away fans hate it just makes it all the more satisfying <laughs> to be honest we're, we're not we're not here we're not really here to kind of make people's visits to sellers park uh, a pleasant one a pleasant Although day out over, no. the, over, over the years we probably have made it maybe a bit too pleasant at times <laughs> that's that's interesting about the callback uh because surely at some point somewhere down the line you had to try that out for the first time was that already happening when you started or was that a new thing because because yeah, so you've it, got everyone's got to take yeah. part in that and be on the ball haven't they yeah, so so it had so fortunately for me, I suppose it had already started before okay. before I joined. So the callback had been around for for quite some time, and probably to be honest, started long before we had as good of an atmosphere as we have got now at home. So I imagine it probably started to try and generate a bit more atmosphere. You know, we we had a long old period of time in kind of stagnating almost in the championship, where naturally kind of gates start to do start to drop and. People, you know, it happens to happens to every club that that suffers relegations. Um, so probably, I think that's why it was originally brought in. But it has our after after goal kind of routine has changed over the years. So again, when mm-hmm. I first started it, I know I've heard on previous episodes you've talked about goal music as well. And when yeah. I first started, we must have had probably the most convoluted goal kind of routine out of every every club in the in the country. So we would the goal would go in. There was a piece of music that would play um, kind of immediately, almost immediately. Then we would announce the goal scorer. And then after that, oh, sorry, then the name callback. And then we would play a short kind of blast of the chorus of Glad All Over, which is obviously Palace's Palace's main kind of anthem. Um, I mean, obviously, by the time that's all happened, it's kind of, it's full time, everyone's in the car park and all the rest (laughs) of it. So um, it's probably a good job we didn't score too many goals. But... um, but yeah, so that we've had that, and over the years, the the talk about goal music it rears its ugly head every so often through kind of fans' message boards and stuff like that. Mm. Some people love it, some people hate it. Most people don't really care because it's just we've scored a goal, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm happy yeah. about that. You do else, whatever the hell else you want. Whereas, but now we've kind of arrived at, I guess, a bit of a the compromise in the middle. So I, because I have tried over the years with a few different things. I've tried different music for kind of that immediate after the goal. Thing. Okay. I've used a mute, I used a muse track at one point. I was going to say, which ones, um, which ones did you feel worked and didn't? Yeah. So I use, I mean, I liked it. I, but then there's probably my own personal bias. So, so I tried using, um, Knights of Cydonia by Muse, oh, yeah. which is quite, yes, upbeat. I'm, I'm quite a big Muse fan anyway. There's, there's so a massive guitar it, drop in that, isn't there? Is that yeah, the bit you mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. that. Um, and so it, that hit well. So so that would go play as soon, almost you know, shortly after the goal had gone in. We do the name callback, and then always glad it all over. I never dare to to mess glad all over, nor yeah. I want to. Don't do that. Um, so we tried that. We did have that for a few games, and then there was kind of a few kind of murmurings of could we try it? Some some people inquired, could we try it without goal music at all? So I did. We did give that a go for a period of time. I kind of. It's, ages ago now I can't I couldn't say when it was but we did it for a few games but I think 
people had gotten so used to having goal music, it then felt a bit flat not having it because probably a lot of people, you know, people cheer, there's the automatic cheer, but then everyone's kind of, there's a little bit of anticipation for the music. Wait for it. <laughs> so it would, there was kind of an awkward silence after we scored a goal. Um, and I'm sure people would have eventually got it, but there, I think there was there was some nervousness within the club that we were kind of then starting to lose a bit of something and how long do you leave it for? So we then did end up coming coming back and, and, and I think that's when we probably got to where we are uh, where we are now, which is goal goes in, kind of organic crowd cheering <laughs> as I said it doesn't need to be doesn't need to be scripted. Um, and then I will announce the goal scorer, do the name callback, so first name, crowd shouts back the surname, and then it's a short blast of the, just the chorus of Glad all over. Okay. So and obviously, yeah. obviously everybody kind of claps and sings along too. Yeah. And so that's kind of it feels like a happy middle ground because during the times when we did it with no music, there were some people saying, well, we really, really like the music. When we've had the music before, there's lots of people saying, we don't need this kind of forced atmosphere and all the rest of it. And I, the way I see it is it's it's not it's not a forced atmosphere. It's kind of it, it accompanies, it complements the atmosphere. And and I and I sometimes think when you're looking at kind of you know, your next generation of, of fans and you know, kids coming through and stuff mm-hmm. like that, actually it's some of the stuff like that are things that kind of stick with you. You know, you you don't know what all the chants are and all that is you, as much as you'd like to join in when you first start going you don't know what people are people are saying do you so but you can pick up that everybody claps along at you know this is the bit where i where i clap kind of along with glad yeah. all over and stuff like that so and oh they're shouting the name i know yeah wilfred oh i know that zaha i shout that bit back um and i so i think that's good you know we're we kind of pride ourselves on being kind of a community club so you want to try and appeal to as as wide kind of an audience as you can. So yeah, I, I like to think. I'm sure. Give it another couple of years. This this discussion will be back on the table again. I'm sure, again. Yeah. and I'll be and I'll be ready for it. Uh, just out of interest, then uh, you know that in, that incredibly uh, complex yet effective uh, goal scoring routine. How much did that change during the no fans period? Uh, <laughs> I wish I could tell you that it did change during the no fans period. It, <laughs> Um, it didn't change, interestingly. So, so I think, like, like I think most of most of the other announcers around the, around the country, we were all kind of encouraged to try and keep it as much the same as we would do for a normal match day to try and make it feel for the for the players and to make it feel normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I always did say, don't you think someone will notice the missing twenty six thousand people? But <laughs> that's just my that's just my view. <laughs> um, but we just assume they're all hidden under those kind of seat covers that we had all around the Premier League. But um, but yeah, so I was asked to do everything exactly the same as I would normally do it, mm. and I and I then and I remember specifically asking the question around the the callback. Yep. So I said, so so I say, I assume I'll just drop the callback. I'll just announce the goal scorer and play a little blast of glad all over, and that'll be that. And they're like, no, we we re- we want you to just keep doing the callback as well. Yeah, so I would, you know, a, a goal a goal would go in. I would have to goal, you know, goal score of Crystal Palace, number 11, Wilfred Zaha. Wilfred, and then be greeted by the, the deafening silence of no fans. Oh but so so what I guess what I very quickly adapted to doing was I would shout the, back the first name and I would just play Glad All Over immediately afterwards. So it's like Glad All Over was the response um, rather than... Otherwise, I just think I'm just drawing attention to the fact there's, there's nobody, nobody here. here. Yeah. Um, so it's it's one of those funny things, isn't it? And and I do I I kind of <laughs> I look back to myself. I said I feel like the loneliest man in football who just 
who's just constantly shouting out a name and yet nobody nobody ever shouts back. Um, and I, I think I did see a couple of uh, I did see a few tweets. It's the, the beauty of social media. You obviously get very oh, live, yeah. up to the minute feedback on everything. Um, there were definitely a few choice comments going on mm-hmm. about this ridiculous palace announcer. Oh, that um, I mean, hey, was, was calling out the first name. What about the the other the other end of the scale uh, about uh, announcements that haven't particularly gone well? Um, you know, I don't know if anything when you talked about being in the in the booth or being tucked away underneath the floodlight, not being able to see anything. But uh, apart from any issues that caused, are there any particular clangers you've dropped that you remember or care to, or try and forget? My favourite one was was in the early earlier days in the when we were in the championship and. I was in the, I was in the in the PA room and I was coordinating with the TV team. We were going to play out a video at half time. Um, that obviously that, that I would then put sound out to the stadium on as well. And it was just coming up to half time, and I was talking to the TV studio and said, "Oh look, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put your fader up now, so you'll be live. Are, are you putting anything out like at the moment?" And they said, "Oh no, 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 it's fine." So I whacked up the fader. Off we went. Um, and then all of a sudden, I started to hear that there had been an incident on the on the pitch. Someone was down injured, so it was a bit of it was a break in play. But I suddenly heard crowd reacting to something, and I was like, "Oh, what's going? You know, what's going on?" I thought, "You know, there's a break in play." I thought, "Oh, someone must be kind of squaring up to someone or something like that." And I looked outside, um, and then a, a panicked kind of call came through to say, "There's commentary of the game going out around the stadium." Um, and that was coming through the TV um, feed. And the commentary was, at the time, Palace had, like like a lot of teams have had, had Palace radio, kind of yeah. in-house fan-run radio station. So obviously it was quite biased commentary, <laughs> as you'd expect. Um, and that was playing out around the stadium. And we were playing Nottingham Forest, who were managed by Billy Davis at the time. And the, and the line that was very clearly heard around the stadium was, and Billy Davis is going mad at the side of the pitch his toys are out of his pram he's red in the face and words to that effect um so everyone around the ground has heard it uh, going on billy davis has heard it yeah um and it was mentioned in his post-match press conference as to what had gone on and um and then it was subsequently the the club had to make an apology an official apology to billy davis um for us having played this out and painted him in a bad light and suggested that he was throwing his toys out of the pram. Um, I think this is the first time this, the true nature of this story. I feel like there's enough, enough time has passed that I can say what, what really happened here. Cause at the time we just claimed there was a technical fault. Yes. Um, <laughs> the technical fault was entirely human error. So I would hasten to add not, not entirely mine. Um, so that was, that was a, that was quite a. That was definitely a fun one. We d- and yeah, the one you don't hear all the time. We we don't all. We you know. I guess we try not to make the post match press conference really. Um, yeah, but... you don't normally get mentioned very well. In fact, actually, I, I have been mentioned. Just just come to me. I oh, have no. been mentioned in one other before as well, and that was in a. Um, uh, it was a a league cup game, I think, and it was we'd gone to extra time. I think it was during the, our Premier League stint. I think Neil Warnock was in charge at the time. And um, I had announced, because obviously the, the draw as, as of, as it had been made while we were still playing. And we knew that the winner between us and Newcastle were going to play Man City in the next round. And um, and I announced it. You know, at, just 
doing a kind of the half time and extra time or something like that, a small break. And I just thought, well, we've got a break here. It's not really even enough time for a song. So I'll just, I'll say something. So I thought, well, this is information people want to know. So I announced, you know, the draw has been made. The winners of this tie go through to the next round and face Manchester City away. Um, obviously a cup draw that all clubs up and down the country relish. Um, and, uh, and we, Palace lost, um, went out, um, Newcastle went through in extra time. And, uh, and Neil Warnock did, did mention it in his, in his post-match press conference that he thought we shouldn't have announced that and that uh, it may have affected how the players, you know, essentially he was basically saying that the players didn't fancy a trip to City away um, <laughs> and that therefore we shouldn't, we shouldn't have said it. And I just thought, well, I'm not, uh, if, if that's what I'll worry, I think we've got bigger issues than what I announced and don't announce, but it yeah. was... Um, but yeah, I didn't. I, I again, I, I survived that that encounter. I don't think I was. I wasn't hauled over the coals in front of it. And um, he's uh, It's just. It's you're going to get comments like that with a. You know, I love Neil Warnock as our manager. Um, as any as any club he's managed does. And obviously, if he's not your manager, you absolutely hate him. So he's yeah. that kind of character. Yeah. So I don't okay. take. I don't. He has definitely said far worse pe- things about far worse people. So. I'll um I'll yeah. take that one and say and I should frame that to say yes I was once kind of moaned about by Neil Warnock that's kind of should be a that should, that should be kind of something to chalk up as a success yeah really. on the CV for sure there was one former manager who I who I won't name for for legal reasons oh, um, I love it love but, it when an answer starts like that yeah yeah it, it, it makes it sound better already oh. <laughs> um, but no who I was so I was introduced to he'd been managing he'd been managing for a couple of months probably at that point and I was introduced to him. I just happened to be walking past and someone introduced me to him or introduced yeah me to him to say this is Mike he's our he's our stadium announcer and plays with the music and he just kind of leaned into me and just said we need to just play chart music oh okay like, oh okay he's like yeah we need to just it needs to be all chart music um and I was like, okay. So for the rest of his tenure, I only ever played chart music. And picking the music for a match day is is a tough is a tough gig, mm-hmm. I think. Anyway, because you know, how do you appeal to tens of thousands of people's musical tastes? Um, you just you're not you're never going to satisfy them all. And so I always used to try and do a bit of a blend between kind of older stuff, classic stuff, and and then more modern stuff as well. Um, probably with a slight favourite to, to to modern stuff, because again, I, I always I tend to think, well, that's again family club kids and stuff like that are going to kind of probably appreciate the music more than all us older chaps who just want to have a good chat and a drink so um but yeah i was i was very clearly told we should we should play solely solely um solely chart music um and nothing else and i did think and we weren't doing that well on the pitch at the time and i'd say just walking away from the conversation i did think have you not got slightly more important things to worry about than what um the what songs? Yeah. What songs we play? Have you, have you had um, any others try and tinker with it like that, or players for that matter try and tinker with your music? Because, like you say, it's a real, it's a real important thing, you know. And I know a lot of announcers who take a lot of pride in curating that that pre-match playlist. Have you had any, but have you had managers and players trying to tinker with it? Yeah. So, so when I first started, actually, so under under previous ownership, I would I would say there, uh-huh. there was already a the last half an hour pre-kickoff was a predefined playlist that had come down from uh, from on high that just had to be played every single every single game so it was always the, the same songs i can't again i can't remember what they are that cd has long since been consigned to the, <laughs> to the skip um 
but yes, yeah, so I can't. But so that was that was it. That was you weren't allowed to touch it. So I suppose I didn't have the the opportunity to tinker with it myself because it, it was just t- told to Set me. And let's be honest, most ninety yeah. percent of the people come into the ground in the last half an hour. Yeah. So I kind of felt well, I I can pick whatever I want for the rest of it because no one's gonna no one's gonna bloody hear it. Yeah. So so there, yeah. So we we had that. Um, and we also had again. I think this was probably just before I had started doing the announcing actually but i as i say i still had some involvement sometimes with, with running playing some of the music and a bit of button pressing but um so gabor karai who many will remember as the jogging bottom wearing yes. goalkeeper um hungarian goalkeeper who was with us for a few seasons he respect he put a special request in that he wanted um it's my life by bon jovi wow great track so yeah. great choice um and that had to play as the goalkeepers run out for uh, for their warm up. Obviously, the goalies are usually out usually out quite a bit before the uh, at least one song's worth before the rest of the team. Yeah. So he wanted that out, and apparently he's done it at all the clubs that he's been at. He specifically requested it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm very very happy to very very happy to do that. Um, but I think generally the the players, apart from that, I don't think they're really too too bothered either. So because I um, again when we were behind closed doors, we did the idea to say well the only people going to hear the music are are the players really and mm. members of the members of the press so we we kind of said let's can we find out what songs the players might like to to have while they're while they're warming up um and so somebody you know, somebody full-time in the club obviously made inquiries and it was quite hard really to get anything out of them and i think that we we, we ended up with some songs that, that were picked but I think the truth was they weren't really that bothered. You know, we all know that someone controls the playlist in the in every dressing room, and they'll have whatever they whatever they have in there. But I think, yeah, when when they come out on the pitch, it sounds like they're just not they just weren't really too fussed about it. Which, in a way, is kind of probably made life a little bit little bit easier um, than trying to because we'd end up justifying to someone else why we've chosen that. And if someone didn't like a song, it's like, well, sorry, you know, this player wanted that song, so yep. and then we end up with a whole whole other heap of upset but um but now, nowadays i'm quite happy to um we, we kind of just set a few parameters around the music that we want and then we and we run with that so we'll we have a few kind of sellers favorites that usually play in the in the again in that kind of last half an hour oh, um, okay and then prior to that it, it'll be a mixture um i work as i think a number of us do with, with shoot music who yeah. will we who basically we always ask again to try and keep it stuff that generally is in the charts um and we also do have a slight kind of favoritism towards any artists from south london as well so we will uh, we'll always try if we've got kind of any local artists of which there have been quite a few say, yeah. unfortunately most of them don't tend to be palace fans um <sighs> but we will still support them if they are from our uh, our community and and play some of those tracks out as well love that love that um now, uh, just can you give us a few of those? Or which ones are those? Those sort of palace staples. Then, in that last half hour, which are the ones that you know will always be the winners? Yeah. So that's yeah. Last few. So we um, we'd usually have a couple that are also associated to like players' chants. Um, so one is one. In fact, one we have sadly just recently lost because uh, we always used to play Starman by David Bowie, which um, there is a 
chant for Andros Townsend to the tune of, oh. of Starman. But obviously, he has now yeah. moved north to Goodison Park, so that one's that one's come off the, off the playlist. <laughs> that ticks two boxes, as David Bowie is also a South or was also a South Londoner as well. Oh. So, um, so we've we've lost that was that was the that was the Holy Grail. Um, but we have we have rhythm is a dancer for which there is a chant for Jeffrey Schlupp. So that's that's that <laughs> tends to be on there. Um, Town called Malice is a favourite, and I think mm-hmm. that's been their favourite since before my time. And I think again largely because you can very easily change the words to Team called Palace. Nice. Um, so it kind of that goes that goes quite nicely. Um, uh, Zombie Nation by Kern Craft is wow. a big big seller's favourite. Um, that's been that's been around for quite a few uh, quite a few years. Um, we do tend to play uh, some some a few songs by the Kooks as well because one I think it's the lead singer or certainly one of the band members of the Kooks is a Palace fan. Oh nice! Um, so we do tend to we, we tend to stick a bit of that on as well. Um, and then in our kind of immediate build up, I suppose to to kick off when when I first joined, we always used to play the the theme to from the Long Good the film the Long Good Friday. Um, which is uh, which isn't a particularly I don't think well known unless you know the film isn't particularly well known but had been an iconic pal- you know if you were at Palace and you heard that song you knew you need to go and get in your seat because the players are coming out next so yeah that had been there and that was every single game I was brave and changed that because I try I wanted to try and modernise us a little bit um, I'm still chastised for this at times right. <laughs> um, and I, I moved it across to to um, We Come One by Faithless okay yeah. Um, Firstly, because the the lyrics and the kind of the idea we come one, that's what we do as a, as a club, as a team. Yeah. We, it kind of fits absolutely with 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 the club. Uh, also, Maxi Jazz, who is the main man in uh, in Faithless, is also a Palace fan. Oh, so, yeah. Um, I love hearing how many different clubs do play Faithless. You know, um, Insomnia is definitely a very yeah, popular one. I think across a number of other clubs. So we'll walk I out always kind of sit there as I hear other people say, "Say he's ours." So <laughs> you, can, you can have it, but he is ours. Oh, okay, thank you um, very much. Thank you. <laughs> so yes, you're welcome. But um, but yeah, and, and now I, I kind of I do I occasionally do bring back the theme from the Long Good Friday as well, just to try and keep keep people happy. Oh, nice. Um, so you've got got a bit of both, but um but yeah they're kind of some of our the, the regulars on the on the sellers playlist nice right it's time to check in with the shoot music chart now every friday there's a brand new stadium chart at sportplaylist.com and that's all made from downloads by stadium djs across the uk Obviously, we always discuss the tunes our announcers play and the ones they use in their 255 moment when the teams walk out. But let's not go there on goal music, eh? And uh, each episode of We Welcome Your Teams, we're going to get an announcer from our ranks to review three new releases and judge them by the time they might play them on a match day. So one for early doors, maybe. One that's good for the big build-up to kick off and one that might be worthy of playing for the team's walkout. So... Here's this episode's review. Hey everyone, it's Lance here from Bristol Rovers. It's great to be back in front of the amazing Gasheads at the Memorial Stadium. And it's great to be back on the podcast, reviewing three of the tracks from Shoot Music, which I think could have a place on your playlist over the next few weeks. And we're going to kick things off with Johnny Marr, Spirit, Power and Soul. 
First single to be taken from Mars 4th album, Fever Dreams Part 1-4, which will be out on October the 15th. It sees the Smiths and the Cribs legend dive into an electro sound, reminiscent of fellow Mancunian's New Order, while making it a sound of his own and a sound that is vibrant. Get this one in early doors. Next up, Feeder Torpedo. The veteran rockers are back and are in superb form on Torpedo, coming in with a hard and heavy verse which leads into what they do best, souring choruses led by the vocals of Grant Nicholas and epic melodies. The perfect mix for a build-up banger. And finally, Disclosure, Never Enough. One of five songs released by the legends of house music over consecutive days last month. Disclosure showed their class with this song, a song which can definitely stake a claim for being walkout worthy. There you go, some tunes to think about adding to your match day playlist. Uh, check them out on Twitter at Sport Playlists, and from there you can sign up for their free services to receive some new releases, and you can review them yourself. And if you want, come on the pod and tell us what you think too. Right, let's get back to the interview. We're going to we're going to focus on uh, the the two fifty five moment shortly, which is that that five minutes where the announcer comes into their own and everything you know is is technically orchestrated and creates the big atmosphere that we're all after. But uh, first off, I have to ask you, and I think this is the first time in in all in all the series we've done so far, what it's like being an announcer that uh, is is uh, that leaves the job and is then asked reinstated by a by an online petition to come back into the job. I don't think we've ever had anyone up until this point that has been so loved at the club that, that when they leave, they are reinstated. They are asked and begged to come back via online polls. What's the whole story there? Yeah, so it's um, it, it was quite a, quite eventful. Yeah, quite an eventful few months. So I am, um, it was, I can't remember now what season it was now. It was a few, few years back. But I was... Um, just during during kind of the the close season period um, between seasons, I was I was I was told actually by the club um, that they wanted to try something new on a match day. They were they were looking at how how they could improve a number of things on on a match day. I suppose we were at that point we'd been in the Premier League for a few years. There, there was lots we were expanding on lots of fronts, trying to improve the experience and, and all the rest of it. So. Um, and they said one of the things I wanted to look at was a, a different a different announcer, um, which was you know came did come as a bit of a shock originally, and yeah. I, I didn't have an intention of of, of leaving. Um, but I, I, equally, I, I kind of understood. You know, we've I think most announcers say you know we would always happily do this forever, but and I guess forever is until someone decides that they don't want you to, to do it anymore. And 
I'm, I'm not one to stand in the way of progress either. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a, a forward thinking person generally. So I'm kind of like, okay, if that's, you know, I'm kind of begrudgingly, you just have to accept it. So the club did then get in a few different people um, who came in and, and kind of had a go at it, really. I think there was there was a pre-season friendly for which I did sit in the stands. And so I had my first first game in like mm. 14 years, I think it was, in the stands. Um, while this another chap who I think was a voiceover artist who worked on kind of BT Sport and and different, you know, on, on, on TV. So kind of, you know, decent credentials um, came in and, and did did the job. And it was it was a bit of a disaster, to be honest. I think it was it, it didn't go particularly well for him kind of on the mic and kind of I, I'd heard that there was because there hadn't really been a handover from me to anybody, because I kind of was just told that we were gonna go in a different direction, people hadn't realised how much other stuff that I just got on and just did, I suppose, on a match day and how you just know when everything's supposed to happen. Mm. You know, I just you just have it all down to a down to a t so so i was then actually asked to come back and kind of essentially kind of take a take a step upstairs i suppose so (laughs) a bit like people always talk about kind of long-serving managers stepping up to be director of football i I became a long-serving announcer stepping up to be kind of director of sound um so which which again i I agreed to do and come back you know ultimately I just love being involved at the, the club that I love. Mm. So I was happy to come back and, and help if, if, you know, if, if I could and, and still be involved. So, um, and also it was getting quite late. It was probably too late to buy a season ticket. I needed a way to get into the game. So, <laughs> um, so there was, it was, it was kind of a win-win. So we um, so the guy that did the first preseason friendly didn't work out. They got someone else in for the next game who again has done sports announcement. I think he said he had done things like, um, you know, announcing at the London Marathon and various athletics meets and, and stuff like that. So experienced public speakers, but again, he didn't didn't kind of it didn't work out with him either. I think he did one or two games. And then we got another chap in who um I mean many Palace fans will no doubt remember, but is actually the he was he's kind of a self-made social media star really and and has since gone on from his stint on the mic at Palace to have uh, have success in the in the charts with um so he had he is the guy that is now known as big shack and did the song um man's not hot um which you may or our listeners may or may not may, may or not, not recall yeah, yeah, may may not. give it give, give it a spotify but it was in the charts <laughs> he's um he's popped up in loads of other things he's i've seen him do stuff on tv i've seen him do stuff with like lad bible and sports bible he was in a jd sports advert so he's oh. gone on and done lots and lots of stuff um afterwards and he had done lots of stuff before so and to be fair to him he came in he got quite a bad rap because he did come in and did it for a few months and i i kind of really coached him and helped him and he genuinely really wanted to do do it well and he took it really you know took it very seriously i remember one game i think we were playing chelsea and he was sat there listening to pronunciations of players names Hmm. like in his in his earphones just to get them just to get them right and so we really kind of gave it a really good go with him but again, it just didn't. It just didn't quite quite work out. And eventually, the um, so yeah, again, this fan power. Someone on Twitter scoured this guy's Twitter feed. Went back years and years and years and managed to expose him as a Man United fan. 
and um, not this is the greatest expose, but but there is there is some animosity of from Palace towards uh, towards Man United. I think as there is to every club towards Man United, mm. to be fair. Um, <laughs> but that was seen as wholly unacceptable, and there was a lot of noise kind of created around that, and it kind of probably made the guy's position kind of untenable, I suppose, at that point. But it really it wasn't really working out for him either. Um, and then in amongst kind of all this all this going on, you know, people had started asking me what was what was happening, and I, I, I think I'd, I'd taken to Twitter and explained what was going on. But then people had started saying about me kind of coming back and, and stuff like that. And it was actually then a, a fan who who got in touch and said, "Look, are you you know are you going to do? Would you want to do it?" And I said, "If the club asked me to do it, then you know I would absolutely be." Del- like to step back in and, and, and to do it again. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm still currently an employee of the club doing a different job. I, I don't want to burn any bridges or upset anybody. You know, I'm, I'm not going to come out campaigning saying you, you should put me back in or mm. anything like that. You know, the club's made a decision. I have to respect the decision. So I was, I kind of trying to, trying to, trying to remain, you know, professional, take the emotion out of it, all that sort of stuff. So, um, but then that, that fan that I had spoken to, started an online petition and very quickly it seemed to gain quite a bit of traction and was and was getting picked up by various media outlets and all sorts of things like that i remember being i think i was on a course on my in the in the day job up in london and one of my friends phoned me and said do you know you're in the like the croydon advertiser like the local local paper and i was like no what are you, what are you on about said, yeah you're in the paper like talking about the petition about wanting to come back through the rest of that day, other news outlets picked it up, and it was on the Guardian Sports website. I think other things, and then and that evening it was on it was on ITV Sports, wow. like London News, that evening as well about this popular announcer who the fans wanted back and had started a petition. And I think in the end it got a few thousand kind of online signatures to um, people wanting to bring me back, which was. Which was touching, to be honest, because I, I, I sat there and I thought, well, I didn't get this much praise when I did the job. So <laughs> this is this is incredible. This is an incredible response. So, you know, maybe it's a bit you don't know what you've got until it's gone. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was I was I was I was kind of I was touched to, to, to see that kind of response from people and, and that people kind of cared enough. Because, you know, you always think, you know, you, you go out there, you do this job. You might be pitch side, but let's be honest, the people immediately near you can see who you are. But if you're the other side of the stadium, you're just a dot to everyone else, aren't mm-hmm. you? So you're not you're not kind of a celebrity as, as such or anything anything near that. But yeah, to see this kind of support was, was incredible. And then it was one, I think it was like a one Friday night. I don't think it was before a home game, but one Friday night I got called by my kind of my my boss at the club at the time. Um and he phoned me up and he said, I've just been, I've just come out of a meeting with with other you know senior senior individuals at the club and we want you to come back um you know are you but we we totally understand if you say no you know we we know that you've kind of a few months ago we told you that you were yeah. no longer required um so we understand but we would really, really like you to to come back um and, and do the job again and it took me all of about two seconds to yeah. make the decision and say yeah yeah i'm 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 in i'm, I'm entirely in and I remember making my making my my second debut. debut yeah, it was it, it was a um, it was a uh, evening cup game against Bolton, I think it was. And uh, I remember I, I tweeted, obviously no, but we didn't tell anybody. We didn't make it public that I was coming back or anything like that until the game. 
So I, I tweeted nice. before the game when I was doing my sound check, I took a picture of just, just the microphone next to the, the kind of the red and blue corner flag with the rest of Celos in the background. And I think I just captioned it with hello, old friend or something again oh, like that. And I think nice. to, to date it is my most successful tweet yes. ever. Um, Cause it didn't take much for people to realize, <laughs> um, realize what it, what, what was going on. And, um, and then both for that, and then I think we then had a, um, a, a league game at home on the following Saturday, which so, but both those games, I, I got an incredible reception, in, in particular from the people where I stand pre-match, obviously, who can then see you when you walk out to do your do that kind of your 255 moment mm-hmm. incredible and, and in fact we were talked about emotional moments probably for me personally that's probably up there as my most kind of emotional moment because it was yeah, i had to take a minute to compose myself i have to say just because you're like oh, well these, these people really they must really want me back and then to have a little kind of cheer and oh great to have you back mike and all this people shouting at you know and i was like oh well this is this is be rather nice. I, right. could, yeah. I could do. I could do with a bit more of this. This would be, this would be great <laughs> to have on a regular basis. But yeah, um, yeah. Let, but let... I'm back now, and I've I've been back now for obviously this better for a few years. I've, it was I think it was the 16, 17 season. I think it was. So mm. we're we're a few more years on now, and I'm still there. Uh, I'm still there for the time being. Beautiful. Let, let it be a lesson, everyone. You know, always whenever you can tweet your announcer and let him know he's doing an okay job. I mean, I know you tweet me sometimes yeah. to say you can't hear the them in speakers in the smethic end but um, apart from that i wouldn't mind you know we wouldn't mind just the odd bit just to remind us that'd yeah, be lovely exactly stadium uh, announcers are people too and we, exactly. we want to and we want to feel loved exactly um so you mentioned 255 moment let's get on to that then we always like to sort of round things off with exactly how how orchestrated and how your five minutes to kick off goes where it all starts and 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 everything you say and put into it to create that atmosphere as the teams come out so how does yours work yeah, so we have, so nowadays we're quite coordinated, I suppose. So we will have, I'm going to say in usual circumstances, obviously having yeah. only had one game back since uh, mm-hmm. since, the, since the pandemic, but we will have kind of, a, there's, a, there's a video that goes out with, with accompanying atmospheric kind of music, welcome to Sellers kind of video, that will play. Um, and then, and this probably starts closer to, to 10 to 10 to 3 i suppose so as, as it's starting to fill up so that video goes out for a couple of minutes i then do kind of a a rallying call i suppose i tend to i tend to call it which which most of the time is just something something off the cuff possibly topical possibly kind of you know secretly offensive depending on who we might be playing on that game nice. um, so nothing nothing overtly offensive obviously but no. you know, maybe a little sly a little sly jab or something like that there's but nothing always, wrong with that always, Nothing wrong with that yeah. at all. You know, we should. Yeah, that, exactly. I love that 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 flexibility before uh, that close to kickoff. I'm jealous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I I control the I control the script, I suppose, for that bit. Mm. And um, but I will always I'll always kind of start it with saying kind of it's seven minutes. You know, whatever the time is, it's seven yeah. minutes now to kick off. Players will be joining us very shortly. Um, then I'll say whatever little thing I've come up with at that at that point and um, and then always usually finish it with a with a big kind of cry come on you palace mm. and that obviously gets a bit of bit of crowd crowd reaction crowd cheer and, and if we're if we're if we're in the mood for it it'll get a good a good kind of chant maybe going at that point depending on depending on the on the game probably then there's another another short video for a couple of minutes which is another one of it's kind of got it's got palace goals through the years flying in and all yeah. that sort of stuff and 
kind of get everybody kind of in the mood for it. And then as the players are, are coming out, um, again, this is where it's really easy and we're probably spoiled in it these days. So I will have, I'll have an earpiece in my ear so I can talk to the guys up in the, up in the booth and they will have eyes on the, on the camera in the tunnel and they'll be able to say, so even though I'm standing by the tunnel, Palace mm. have got quite a long tunnel yeah. that you can't really see down unless you're right in there. So, um, I'll get the shout to say, yep, they're walking now. So I can then start my bit and welcome, welcome the two teams out. And, um, and it's always welcoming the two teams, visiting team first, said as if reading an obituary, yeah. followed by, and the pride of South London, Crystal Palace screamed at the top of my lungs. Um, and, um, and that's, and that's it. And then the players come out, glad all over plays, um obviously everyone's everyone's clapping along to that and then i'll then do obviously go through the team lineups and i'll um and then i always have a kind of a closing last a last rallying call just pre-kickoff um which will um again i'll just i'll, I'll ad lib something fairly fairly generic about getting behind the team something like something along those lines but then the, the kind of the catchphrase that always ends it off is be loud be proud be palace nice. um which again, I am sure there are plenty of people around that think that's incredibly cringeworthy to have this kind of this kind of catchphrase that comes along. But um, but I I like it. It's yeah. good. It gets a good cheer every time. I see it used as a hashtag on Twitter quite often by, by Palace fans. Just just breeze. generally when yeah. talking about and um, and it's even been on a T-shirt sold in a club shop. Oh, so, I don't think it's I don't think it's still there, but it has been previously on a on a t-shirt in the uh, in the club shop and and you just so, and, um, and one game years ago you just came up with that and it stuck so do you know what i think if i'm putting honest, i think i may have pinched it off the previous announcer but oh. if you if you do want to edit that bit out yes i came up with it and it was all me <laughs> <laughs> and it wow. just felt right then we carried on with it um i've done it long enough now that i think it's become i've made it my own let's say let's say there you that. go that's yeah the nice way that's to the way to put it. it but with yeah, with, yeah. with props to to Mr. Rob Fox before me. Nice. You still do get it sometimes because we learn, you know, sometimes because we've got that kind of quite a few different things, you know, two videos, a little rallying call and stuff like that. And sometimes things that have gone on before that might slightly affect, affect where you start the first video. And that yeah. might mean that you're potentially crashing the players coming in or you, or you finish a little bit early, but we've always got, you know, we will have a piece of music that's really just to kind of fill fill that void if, if there is one and but but quite often again sellers being sellers if there is if there is a, a a little moment where there is a bit of quiet the fans are very good at filling it as well yeah. quite often we will have we will have like a track plans to play just before okay. the players come out nice but the fans will start up and we're like no leave it don't bother don't any you own know, no none none more true than the um first game back after the after the pandemic home to home to brentford where we had a there was a, a full stadium display that was totally organised and paid for by the fans. So club had no involvement other than I guess just facilitating them setting it up, um, organised by the fans, and the atmosphere was just incredible. We, we had all these great plans. We had this welcome back home to sell us like video ready to play out that had music over it, and we had our usual tracks to play and all the rest of it. And it was just like you know what. No, I, 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 at first I spoke into my radio and said to the guys in the booth, like, you can't hear, you can't hear the music where you want to put the music up. And in the end, we we're just like, yeah, yeah, no one cares about the music. <laughs> like, give up. Like, cause the, you cannot kind of beat this atmosphere that's in here at the moment. And this, those moments when you're standing pitch side and you can feel the atmosphere kind of 
reverberating through your very soul almost that are they're the kind of real magic moments as well you're like wow like and especially at that time you're like i'm almost the only person standing kind of on or next to the pitch at this point so i feel very very privileged to be uh to be in this position kind of soaking this all up um and i just about resist the urge to to join in because my mic is now live <laughs> very good point on the um is is the what the, the the music the teams walk out to is that when glad all over starts or does that happen in that sort of gap just before kickoff when you finish doing the team lineups yeah so, so they what they walk out to glad all over so okay. I'll, I'll welcome yeah. the teams you know welcome your two teams mm-hmm. someone else pride of south london crystal palace and there then go. bang straight straight hit on the glad all over nice and gets, uh, gets your fans going nice. uh, straight away um, I've been uh, I've been contacted uh, recently about some some crazy halftime antics at Falkirk that we may or may not get time to go into, but it does bring up the question because it happens sometimes up and down the years um, that that there are halftime games or activities, you know, sponsor things and all that kind of stuff to do. Have you ever had anything cringy, memorable, fantastic? Yeah, so the best ones we had to be honest were before my before my time on the on the mic. We had a couple. Um, I think we had a sponsorship. I think it might have even been a football league sponsorship with Wix, and there was a, a challenge called "On Me Shed Son," oh, yeah. which involved somebody trying to kick a ball from kind of the penalty area to a shed that would have been put up in the uh, in the centre circle. And then we also we also had it. This might have also been Wix connected, but a game of two baths as well was another <laughs> one. Um, I mean, the puns are just incredible. Yeah. Um, but and that involved again kicking a ball into two bars into the bar, I think, from yeah. from a distance. Um, but, just, but just prior to the pandemic, um, we did use we did do, still do a, um, a a kids penalty shootout where we'd have two two home fans, two away fans, in a competitive penalty shootout against Pete the Eagle in goal. Yes, Pete um, the Eagle. So. Um, so yeah, which which actually was always good. It it wasn't me. Really, so I don't actually do the um, the halftime bit. So Chris, who is our um, full time uh, presenter on on Palace TV, so mm-hmm. you'll he'll, you'll see him on our on the website and all that sort of stuff. But he goes down and, and presents the the halftime halftime show. And um, but yeah, but we often will put our heads together just just prior to him going down because. Um, he he he's also a fan of a quick one liner in there. If there's an opportunity to get a little jab in again at the away fans, we will we will endeavour to do that. So yes. it will be something along. So let's let's say that whoever we're playing have had a soft penalty maybe in the in the first half. We might then say in encouragement to the away teams, uh, the away teams kind of uh, participants, something along the lines of, "Yep, that's it. Like take your run up, off you go." Imagine you've just won a really soft penalty in front of the Homesdale and you're taking that penalty and you're going to celebrate shamelessly. So things like that, we'll try and put something topical in. Or if we've got history with a particular club, we might even throw something in there as well. So again, it's all family-friendly humour, but we like to do that. But the best part of that particular, the uh, the shootout there, is some of the celebrations that you actually get from the kids. So we have had they, they it's, it's held in front of the um, front of home fans, but also just to the side is where the away fans are. And so we have had fans from whether they're home or away, the kids taking the penalty, and they have run to the opposing fans. No, <laughs> not Emmanuel- knee, knee slides, shushing, you know, no. giving, giving it the, the loser side on the forehead. Oh, um, and it is oh, it's, it's beautiful. And to be fair, like every time we've seen it happen, whichever fans are on the receiving end of this uh, 
being served by this kind of nine-year-old, <laughs> whoever it might be, have always taken it in very good, very good spirits good. and uh, given them a good clap. Oh, so, but that, and that's it. Do you know what? That's that's what football is all about, really, isn't it? I like, love that. That's, that's yeah. what we all have missed when we've not had not had, not had people in the stadiums. No, note to self: push for under tens penalty shootout at half time again. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's absolutely what you what you need, oh. and yeah, encourage them. But then you also then get the complete opposite end of the spectrum. You get the ones who are like, right, show us your celebration, and they just walk back to the starting <laughs> yeah. position, yeah, kind of cool as you like, not knowing what to do. Nah. Obviously, very aware that there's like twenty six thousand people few. looking at them. So yeah, um, <laughs> so yeah, it's quite it is quite funny. You get to both ends of the spectrum, but yeah, the best ones are absolutely the the full like. It's quite a long run as well if you're like eight or nine to yeah. run across to like the away fans or something like that and give them the knee slides <laughs> and the. So yeah, it's good. Emmanuel Adebayor against uh, against Arsenal for City that kind it's of. It's Arsenal, yeah. It's exactly yeah. like that. Wow, <laughs> but with wow. much shorter legs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, look, Mike, I want to um, I want to round things up and just kind of finish on some. You know, we always get we always get deep and quite you know open about the last little bit. So. Uh, gathering on your experience and all your time well two times at palace what in in your opinion makes a great stadium announcer yeah so i think i guess you start to get a little bit of a an insight into this when you've been in a position like mine where you have been the stadium announcer and then you've not been the stadium announcer <laughs> and then you've been the stadium announcer again obviously I, I kind of get to make a bit of a comparison and see so you know what didn't work for these other people that that had tried it that by all accounts had the credentials to do it you know good good speakers have done this sort of this sort of thing they've spoken to large large crowds before um but i think what you can't really recreate is you need that kind of being a fan and connection to the club you need you can't you can't make up the passion that you feel like like we talked about earlier about when you celebrate you celebrate a goal first and then you switch on to the professional mode and do your and do your job and announce it you know you, you can't recreate that you can't recreate that emotion if I, you know, we talked about great moments like Liverpool three three, and I wouldn't have felt that same emotion and poured that same passion into my announcements if I wasn't actually a Palace fan, because deep down I wouldn't really have cared. You know, we we all do jobs where we are employed and we do a job and we do it well, but you can't kind of make up genuinely caring on a, on a different level. You know, I'd care whether I did this as a job or I didn't. So, and then I think the other thing is is just knowing all those. You know the little things that make up your your club, and um, you know, and, and that ability to kind of read read the room, read the stadium, and you know how the fans are feeling and and how they feel about different things. So simple things like when a former player comes back, you know, you need to know whether or not right in which circumstances did this player leave? Are they a beloved former player returning yeah. as a hero? <laughs> are they a hated former player that? everybody wants to you know everybody wants to do in so it's kind of knowing when you're doing the lineup do i pause after this player's name or do i go through it very very quickly on to whoever the next person is <laughs> kind of. um yeah. and that's what, and that you know who your rivals are and stuff like that as, as well and 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 what that might mean so I, I probably overthink the rival thing sometimes you know Brighton are obviously our our big our biggest rivals at, at palace and mm. that stretches to me so i have I think I can probably honestly say I have never played a Fat Boy Slim track at Sellers Park. Nice. He's obviously a big, famous Brighton fan. He's not welcome on my playlist. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> and the good the good folks at Shoot Music often push me songs by Royal Blood as well. Who, as you know, my 
my favourite music genre is is rock and metal music anyway. I don't get much opportunity to play it in Sellers. Um, and Royal Blood would would tick that, but you know that would give me an opportunity for some a band who are pretty current, quite mainstream, but also a bit more on, on the rock side. But they are famously Brighton fans as well. So again, they they are they're not getting on my playlist. And it's those little things because you never know when something fairly trivial is going to blow up in your face and people are going to get annoyed about it. You can't underestimate. You know, football is a petty old game in some and and love it for that reason. Mm. Um, so you need to kind of I think you need to know all those little things that make your club your club. Um, you know, the ability to speak well and do all the rest of it you know that's kind of a given you know and there are lots of different jobs in which you need to do that but the things that make a difference i think for a good stadium and out here are are that connection to the club and, and knowing what's going to matter really to to your fans well said well said and what and what keeps you going back to the job every season as long as they don't you know get rid of you and then reinstate you again <laughs> Well, yeah, <laughs> um, and even then, I think even then they couldn't get rid of me properly. I was still hanging around like a bad smell. Um, I think, to be honest, I think it is just—it just feels like just such a very privileged position to, to be in, you know, and to to feel the atmosphere from pitch side, you know, for for those those big games in particular, you know, where there's everything's on the line or whatever it might be. Um, you just don't not many people will get get to experience that and, and to feel that and i know what it's like when you when it's a real big game and i walk back up to the pa room after having been down there kind of pre-match and i walk back in and you feel like you could walk through a brick wall because you just feel the adrenaline that you just pours into you from from the from the crowd and i know i'm i'm not so big-headed i know they're not cheering for me only that one time were they cheering for me so i know they're not <laughs> cheering for me but it's still you're just a part of it and experiencing it and then of course and then you are a part of it because then it's hearing people react to to what you're then saying so you know you are the cue for lots of different things you know welcoming the teams going through all the players names um hearing those different reactions to you know someone's making a debut so you pause a little bit extra and you get an even bigger cheer for that person because it's their first game and, and stuff like that Obviously, it's a nightmare at the start of the season where half your teams would have debutants and <laughs> therefore the whole it takes twice as long as the, <laughs> yeah. the game's kicked off. Um, but all those little things and hearing them, what to do now. I've, I've been privileged enough to do a couple of stints at Wembley as well for the playoff mm. final and the FA Cup final, which oh. obviously didn't go quite as quite as well. But, but always, again, always you know, incredible days out, incredible elements of the of the, of the career, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, being in those being in those positions. I mean, I, I think. The playoff final probably more so because the result went went the right way for yeah. us. But you know, I, I was I was given license to just walk right out on the pitch, right out in the middle of where all the Palace fans are. There's Wembley just looks so much bigger, I think, from the pitch as well. Compared, I've been I've been to Wembley as a fan. I've been to Wembley for for gigs as well, where you're technically on the pitch, but still, it's not the same as when it's there for football. Mm. Your fan, your, your, your crowds filled up. And then there's the recognition between you walk out and you say, it's Mike here, you know, your voice of Sellhurst. And everyone reacts to that because those that are in the ground, because it's like, yes, our man's here now. Like, yeah. um, And it worked out beautifully for me. I was there. I was going to read out the team lineup and say a few, you know, a few things I'd written as, I don't know, memories through the season. I think I did a few different things kind of to try and get people excited. And as I was reading out the team lineups, the Palace team ran out to warm up as well. Totally unscheduled, totally unscripted, but they ran out and I just ad-libbed as if that was meant to happen. 
please welcome your team. Oh, nice. Um, nice. And it was fun. It was fantastic. They just ran out at that point. It was perfectly timed. Um, and yeah, and just being in that position. And I have to say, it's, it's, it's really sobering as well, because I had, I had gone, as I think many of us who have done the Wembley gig for their club have done, I was there as a fan as well, you know, with a ticket. So I'd gone, I'd been in the pub beforehand. I definitely had a few more drinks than I'd originally said <laughs> I was going to, to maintain my professionalism. But I tell you what, you, you cross the white line onto the Wembley pitch and it is the most sobering <laughs> thing ever because just it just in, the stadium just engulfs you. And, you know, you think it's things like that. It's like there is no other job really where you'd get, you know, I gave up on my career of being an actual footballer a very long time ago. <laughs> um it came about five seconds after I first kicked a ball, I think. So um, I never really threatened threatened that the industry in that way. But yeah, there's just there's no other job really like it where you can walk out and just feel that and really feel a part of what's going on and feel like you're kind of con- contributing to it in in some way. So yeah, for that that sort of thing, I would I'd keep coming back until uh, until they get fed up with me again. Well said, well said, mate, and. Uh... I think a perfect way to finish off. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. Great to have you on. Really great to have you on and hear about it all and just hear about those those moments, those times and how you appreciate the job. And, you know, you added to that long list of, of announcers who are in exactly the same boat and we're not along with everything that you said, mate. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It is. It's a funny, it's a funny old job in some ways. And there are some there's definitely some games as well where you kinda of come along and you think, Oh, like do about this game today to be honest <laughs> like or, or you know when you, when you also you've got a you know i've got, got a day job as well and you're coming along and you think oh, i've got to leave my day job early because it's an evening game or something like that or you've got stuff going on at home and you have to make yourself particularly unpopular at home because things have had to be rearranged so that you can hey i'll, I'll tell you, you what can, recording a podcast about it know. does that as well well yeah exactly yeah just when it's not bad enough <laughs> as, as, <laughs> it as, take as up we, enough of your time yeah as we <laughs> sit here early <laughs> evening of a bank <laughs> holiday monday <laughs> Yeah, let's also do a podcast as well. But, um, but yeah, so that's it. You have all these other, you know, and, and life life gets busier. And I've, I've seen other people who have done match day jobs at Palace, like working, I worked with on the TV stuff before as well, who we all, we all generally started as kind of kids, basically, when we were working there. And obviously you've got nothing else to do with your time at that point. And people tend to leave. They start having kids of their own and stuff like that. And that's often when people stop going to games. Generally, if you know, sometimes when you, mm-hmm. you might be a season ticket holder and you've got young, young kids the 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 kind of the, the draw to be staying at home you know people your wife can make a very persuasive argument as to why you should stay at home and, and things like that so um so yeah i feel i also feel like the job kind of helps me with that because i'm like look well this it gives us a bit of extra money so uh, yep. we can it's paying for a few christmas presents at least mm-hmm. so um gets gets me out of the house gets another little way to win but um but yeah it's you just but you just wouldn't just wouldn't have it you just wouldn't have it any other way, no, really. Wouldn't, wouldn't want to. Wouldn't want to ever not not do it. Too but right. I'm sure. I'm sure the day will come again. Well, you know, we've we've, we've all been there on the midweek cup replay in in January, and it's like gone to extra time, and we're you know so cold we can't yeah. necessarily yeah, use exactly, the button on yeah. the end of the mic. But you know, we we love it. We still love it. Apart from that time when we went out to, I think it was Oxford on penalties. But anyway, uh, um, Mike, thank you very much. Really appreciate you being on. Um, and cheers for giving up your time, especially on a bank holiday Monday in the evening. Yeah, no worries. No, it's been good. It's been amazing. There we go. Fantastic fella, Mike Rankin from Crystal Palace, our first guest of the new series. Uh, 
most interesting thing I enjoyed about that, Alan, was him talking about the callback thing. You know, the, the, the during goal celebrations, announcers say the first name and the idea is the crowd say the second name back. And, and how the hell he did it with a straight face during lockdown when there were no fans in, I don't know. Fair play to him. Fair play to him because there is enough... Enough people asking us, why are you coming back anyway why doing the announcement? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, Why do we need why you? Why are you there? Yeah. You know? yeah. And then so the good luck to the lad and, and fair play to his bravery. Funnily enough, we, we tried it at Old Trafford many, many years ago. It was in my early stages of being the announcer. And I'd been over to Germany and I'd met Michael from uh, Bayern Munich, who's a great lad. And uh, we were talking. And, and if there's a place where it works, it is. Germany and Bayern Munich, you know, they've got it off to a T. Uh, I mean, we've seen a few other videos online of different announcers, but that's the place where it works. So I sort of put it to the club and said, look, you know, on a, only on a Champions League game, shall we try it at Old Trafford? And, you know, yeah, why not? Let's give it a go. Oh, it absolutely died on its legs. It, it, it never even got going, you know, is that like I'm trying to do the announcement and the first name and getting them to do the, oh. and we'd give it a bit of a build-up that we were going to do it. You know, it wasn't just like, right, I want you to do it. We'd give it a build-up. and uh, So what you had to do, did you do like a practice run? No, to be fair, we didn't do a practice run. What we did is we we gave it the, you know, and don't forget when we do the line-up of the teams, we're going to ask you to do the second name and that'll be coming up in 15 minutes, you know. So it was a sort of precursor, but uh, honestly, I was on my own. on my own so yes that only lasted those first three games we tried it just to see well all right the first one it didn't work the second one there was a little bit of a reaction but no way was the a reaction from the stadium and then the third time it just didn't happen so yeah it never but we have had a few fans and ironically enough during this the summer break i i had a someone contacted me through social media a fan asking me could we could we introduce it, you know, and I told them in a, in a polite fashion that we tried it before and it wasn't going to happen. That's, that's, you know, I mean, obviously I'm guessing, you know, even Bayern Munich at some point tried it. I don't know. Did have, I don't think they've done it forever. We'll have to get Michael on and ask him whether it was a thing that's just always happened there or whether at some point someone said, you know what, this season we're going to do this. Because yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, I mean, just I mean, an English. He'd, he'd be a great, a great lad to get on. By the way, his English is better than you and I. He's okay. absolutely fantastic, you know. But uh, yeah, well, it'd be a great question to ask him. I, I mean, he's had some amazing moments at Bayern Munich. It's mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant. I mean, I was on a, it was a, it was a summer um, sort of, what do you call it, like a little tournament, you know, like the Audi Cup. Okay, and you have yeah, four yeah, teams. Like the pre-season stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think I can't remember the, all the four teams. It was many, many years ago. But that's where I sort of saw him do it and have a go at it. And, and it worked amazingly. You know, obviously there was United, Bayern Munich. And I want to say Juventus were one of the teams because uh, there was one of the Italian teams there. But yeah, it, it was good. And yeah, we'll definitely get him on. I'll drop him a, yeah. a text and get him on. Yes, brilliant. Um, right. The other thing I wanted to ask you before we go is is whether you have uh, as as we're recording. I'm guessing you're 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 going through your head the different things you might say when you announce the return when you announce Cristiano Ronaldo in the Manchester United lineup. Yeah. Well, honestly, I mean, I, I genuinely have had goosebumps since Ronaldo has come home. You know, and there's been all suggestions about the music we're going to play. Um, you know, it's going to be unbelievable. And 
I'm not sure if we'll do this because I wouldn't mind doing it, albeit that it was done before, but many, many years ago when Eric, Eric Kant and I got banned for the nine months, my predecessor, Keith, who was very much into the music and everything else that we did at Old Trafford, he, he, he said they were thinking about what to do and how they arranged that was that Cantona on his return, and you may not remember this, Rich, but it was against Liverpool. And uh, basically what they did is they got him when he was coming out, when the players and the team were coming out of the tunnel. He, he always came out of the end anyway, Cantona. He was always the last player. And they, they played the theme tune from the cowboy, the Western film, The Return of the Magnificent Seven. Oh. And, and honestly, it absolutely worked 100%. So I put this to the club, but I'm not sure if it'll if it'll happen because I think I think it you, you know you're a stadium announcer. I think we get away with doing it for Ronaldo, do you? I think yeah. There's there's very few occasions, but I think everything surrounding. I mean, all all eyes will be on 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 Old Trafford that day to see to see him come back. But from our point of view, I'll be more interested in what happens before he actually walks. Yeah. In, you know, and what, what yeah. you do, you know, what you say, what you play, what you do, how we deal with that. Cause it is, I suppose, one of the very few occasions where you would alter your, you know, you'd make an exception in your pre-match, you know, in your two fifty-five moment. Yeah. It's going to be a special one and I can't wait, you know, because even, and I'll tell you what, what I mean, as you know, when people sort of say, Oh, you know, this is the way we operate stadium announcers because we do think about everything up to it. I mean, I'm even thinking about the warm-up when he comes out then, you know, because that's going to be special, you know, when he comes out just to warm up and things like that. And uh, it's yeah. going to be a special... It's going to be a special day at Old Trafford, mate. That's the thing. Like when, when normally when the players come out to warm up, even when they did it for that first game of the season, we didn't actually have anything scheduled in we didn't really have a, a you know a thing to announce them coming out because it is normally a set time it is normally roughly around the same time I know keepers come out a bit earlier and then the team come yeah. out but um, we didn't really have anything to say you know here they are welcome back here they come for the first time we you know we had yeah. to wait till till 255 for them to walk out but again it's going to yeah. feel weird it happening in more coming out just for the for the warm-up and you're not doing anything isn't it yeah yeah it will be it will be peculiar but uh yeah and there's different things we've i've had a fan i'm not sure this will this will uh go forward but we've had a fan who's got in touch with the club asking can we play the uh can we play welcome home you know peters and lee oh yeah yeah <laughs> you know so all those all those classics are coming out you know so oh, i suppose you can do a top 10 of what song should we play for Ronaldo when he comes back to Old Trafford? Yeah, well, it's it's out there. The uh, the Twitter, as always, is at announcers pod. Um, love to hear from you. Just just the fact that we're all back. I've seen some great stuff already from the guys who are just delighted to be back in whatever capacity, um, and we are yeah. as well. So off we go into a new series. I think Mike has been the perfect way to start it. Uh, some more announcers to come your way very soon. So in the meantime, just keep in touch with us. If you haven't subscribed yet and, uh, and liked us and given us a review, then make sure you do that too. For the meantime, Alan, I'll, I'll leave you back to, uh, re- to the retreat, to your country retreat that you're in before returning to, uh, to work. Yeah. Thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure, Rich, and uh, looking forward to a great season. 